The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF NFL Podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. I'm a huge fan of Simply Safe home security because Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. An intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. They might destroy your keypad or siren, but Simply Safe will still get you the help that you need. Sure, maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security so great. It is always ready. Simply Safe could cost you an arm and a leg, but it doesn't. Instead, they only charge you what's fair. 24-7 professional security monitoring is only $14.99 a month. No contracts, no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You have to check it out now. Sam and I both got hooked up by Simply Safe. We have both loved it from the security camera to all of the doorway, entry sensors, everything to make you and your family feel protected. So go to simplysafe.com slash PFF today. That's simplysafe.com slash PFF to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash PFF. The PFF NFL podcast is also brought to you by Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. Also, special thanks to True Car. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Oh, wait, I need that. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right, True Car isn't just about buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. Whether you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with 
Sam Monson. Get your pen, Sam. Got it. Get ready to go. We're live here on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in live on a Monday. We've been doing this the last few weeks, having some fun here, going live on YouTube. And, of course, welcome to everybody in podcast land, Sam, that's what we call it, out there on the Apples and, and, uh, and the Googles that you guys listen to. Don't, don't say we. You call it that. We started that last week. It's going to be a trend. All right, let's get into it. Week 9, uh, almost in the books. We still have Monday Night Football to go, Titans and Cowboys. Uh, but I want to start with your prediction last week. If you guys have been tuning into our week preview episodes coming out every Thursday night, Friday morning, you know, we try to predict the Thursday night game before we record it. And we've both had some pretty good success. You nailed, other than the C.J. Beathard injury thing, right? nailed your Nick Mullins projection. I didn't realize that he was going to be so, you know, weak. Wouldn't give it a go. I thought he was going right. to give it a go, and then he'd go out hurt again. You had more faith in C.J. Right. But ultimately, C.J. Didn't, didn't, think he could get it, didn't think he could give it a go. Sat out. Uh, Nick Mullins came in and did carve up the Oakland Raiders he did he did you nailed it again so pressure's back on me to predict uh this Thursday night I believe was it Panthers Panthers Steelers this week I believe so we'll do that later in the week on the preview episode let's get into some week nine stuff the two big games that we had talked about from a preview standpoint Rams and Saints and and Packers Patriots we'll get into both of those pretty in depth we'll hit every game uh, with at least something even that Jets Dolphins game we'll at least have a nugget for all of you Jets and Dolphins fans in there Okay. I got nothing for Raiders fans for this episode, though. They yeah. scored three points last Thursday night against Nick Mullins-led San Francisco. The Raiders are done for this episode. Yeah. Go check out my mock draft yes. from last week. That's, that's what we're going to tell Raiders fans every single week. Uh, where do you want to start? Rams-Saints? Yeah. 45-35, Saints win. Uh, Saints got up to the huge lead. Rams make a nice little comeback. Drew Brees and that offense shut the door, though, in the fourth quarter. That Saints team... So tough to beat in the dome all the time. You saw that. You know, credit the Rams for hanging tough though and making that you know that comeback. But this game really lived up to the hype. Looking at uh, NFC supremacy here, did also lived up to PFF Green Line. Green Line really liked the Saints heading into this game. Everyone we said it going into it that everyone was kind of looking ahead to the Rams versus the Chiefs, but the Saints was a legitimate hurdle that the Rams were going to need to clear. And Green Line all the way along was saying that actually the Saints it liked the Saints to win outright which is obviously what ended up happening. Um, th- that Saints offense is the match for any team in the Dome, right? right? I was thinking earlier this morning that home field advantage may be as important for the Saints as any other team oh, heading absolutely. down this stretch. So whereas the Rams, I think, can go and win on the road if they need to, um, I don't know that the Saints have the same kind of impact away from uh, the Superdome. They're just a slightly different team there. And especially when you talk about you know, if the Eagles are in the mix, the difference of playing, say, in Philadelphia, and I'm not saying the Eagles are going to ha- host a home game this year, but the difference playing outdoors in Philadelphia versus playing in a dome, huge. I mean, outside in L.A., maybe not a huge factor, but yeah, the Rams, I'm sorry, the Saints are just so different in the dome and in such a tightly contested NFC. This game is just massive. Yeah. The, Saint, the Saints have the tiebreaker. The Rams have to play the Chiefs in a few weeks. The Saints don't have a cakewalk of a schedule because, again, the NFC is loaded. But just such a huge game when it comes to, you know, actually getting to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, and Drew Brees was phenomenal. Michael Thomas, again, was ridiculous. 12 catches, 211 yards, touchdown. Including Um, just torching Marcus Peters uh, on the last one. Marcus Peters, not even just the last one. Marcus Peters was beat like a drum all game long, including plays where the ball didn't even go to Michael Thomas. Like, Marcus Peters, it's funny because 
we were saying all the way through his Kansas City career that he's not as good as the interceptions, right? right. Now, we, we, we were very excited about some of the plays he can make, the unique ability to peel off his guy, come onto something else, and make plays on routes that he just shouldn't be involved in. But it always came with the caveat that he did give up a lot of plays as well. He got beaten for a lot of touchdowns over his Chiefs career, et cetera, et cetera. So he was never graded higher than 14th in the league um, at PFF overall. Uh, but he did make a hell of a lot of plays. And it's funny because now you tweet, you know, what has happened to Marcus Peters? And seemingly all the same Chiefs fans that were telling you he was the best corner in the league because he made all these plays are like, oh, I always knew he was a... We overrated him. We always knew he was a boomer bust guy. Only ever gambled. Uh, always got beat. I mean, the truth is obviously somewhere in the middle, right? It's that right. Peters did make a ton of big plays. Um, he did always give up some big plays. And now it just seems to have swung almost entirely in the other direction. Now, he's playing hurt. That's, not, that's obviously going to be a big problem. But he's just getting victimized right now. Yeah, and we took a lot of heat on Peters because you know, his, his rookie season when he was targeted, uh, I think it was a record uh, yeah. number of targets that he saw. He had nine interceptions, 19 pass breakups, including the playoff games that year. Um, but he also gave up over 1,000 yards, mm -hmm. including the playoff games. And when we're doing our awards, it's based off of just our grade, which is pretty much how well did you play. Now, value is a whole different concept on the side. And I think with Peters, we said, well, if you're going to get, as a rookie, nine interceptions, including the playoffs, and then six in 2016 and six last year, and again, the way that he creates some of these interception opportunities, from a value standpoint, it's okay if you give up some yards if you're, if you're making those plays. Now, in the last couple of years, though, he hasn't been giving up the big plays nearly as much, and he was creating the turnovers. Now, this year, 572 yards, 17.3 yards per catch, six touchdowns. That's almost a career, uh, a career high already. Only one interception and three pass breakups. Yeah, and that rookie year, he did lead the league in interceptions, but he also let, let it in touchdowns allowed. Right. So there was always that flip side. Um, but this year, it's, it's been almost all bad. This, the good has evaporated, and he's just getting destroyed. And a guy like Michael Thomas is going to destroy him more than almost anybody else. The Rams, like really the takeaway coming out of that is the Rams really need to keep to lead back, right. or at least Peters to be playing healthy and better, because right now, like their cornerbacks are just getting torched. Let me come back to the Saints a little bit, because the phrase I've used for them the last two years I think still holds true. They can win games in a variety of different ways. We're one week removed from them playing Minnesota on Sunday night, Drew Brees has his worst game of the season. Really doesn't do anything through the air. That pass offense doesn't do much through the air, but they ran the ball a little bit. They forced key turnovers. They had a pick six by, uh, by P.J. Williams, player of the week. Mm, P.J. Williams. Yeah. That's a whole different grinds my gears, isn't it? That's ridiculous. That I just brought up. Yeah. Anyway, we've seen them win games behind a really good rushing attack, by good defense, and even, you know, even when Drew Brees doesn't have his best games which is completely different from how the Saints have been for the majority of Drew Brees' tenure there. It's usually he's in a shootout, and they either win or lose, and you look back, you're like, poor Drew Brees. It's not on him. Now, when Drew Brees doesn't play well, they find ways to win. But then there's a game like yesterday where they give up a ton of points, and you know Drew Brees is the man, making plays left and right, um, just so accurate this year, uh, making good decisions, not putting the ball in harm's way. And I think when we talk about MVP race, which you, do, which you hate to talk about, mm -hmm. it truly is Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees, then everyone else, and Todd Gurley's not even close. No. I mean, I mean just look at the game yesterday. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're talking about, you know, the Rams score 35 points, 
and they're running play action behind, without even establishing the run, mind you. Running play action to get their open throws. Jared Goff is far more. Jared Goff's performance is far more important to them scoring points than than Todd Gurley's. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then he throws a dump off to Malcolm Brown, who makes an incredible play to turn it into a touchdown. Yeah, that was pretty obscene. Um, what's interesting though is that for all of for all these games going the way you expect them to, the last couple of weeks really shows you just how much I don't want to say luck, but unpredictable turnovers impact these games yeah it's always been one of those cliches that you know the single most important statistic outside of wins and losses in terms of determining the wins and losses is turnovers and turnover ratio and you see that you saw it last week with the vikings against the saints the vikings had that game in control then the fumble from adam thielen completely transformed that game um, and then we saw what last night with the Packers against the Patriots. That was a pretty close game. Aaron Jones fumbles the ball. Suddenly the Patriots wrap that up like it's not even close. Um, really, for as much as we think we know how these games are going to play their, their way out in a lot of instances, one turnover, one fumble, one interception it's huge. changes a game immediately. And you can generally control. It's easier to predict interceptions to a point. You can't control the tips and stuff like that. But generally, if it, you know, if a guy's putting the ball in harm's way over and over and over again, he's going to have some interceptions. But there's a lot of unlucky interceptions in there as well that completely turn games. And what's interesting is I think this push for more points, more yards, more offense, everything that the NFL has been driving towards over the past few years that has created these teams like the Rams and the Chiefs and the Patriots and the Saints that are you know these offensive juggernauts that will just put up 40 points every single week – I think that's become a bigger issue now or a bigger deal because when everybody was playing, you know, smash mouth, grinded out football, a turnover, a turnovers happened and a turnover wasn't a huge deal necessarily because you didn't expect every offense to score at the end of every drive. Now you're talking about uh, an NFL that resembles the arena league where possessions are what matters because you're going to score at the end of the possession. So, when you're in a game like this, the Rams and the Saints, everybody's looking at 40-plus points. If you turn the ball over, that can be a 14-point swing. That can be you're not, you, you lost your possession. You didn't score at the end of yours. They're going to score at the one you just gave them. That's a 14-point swing you'd have to dig yourself out of. So if anything, this push for more offense has made these turnovers more important plays than ever before, and they were already the single most important play in terms of de- uh, determining what was happening. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad thought. I've I've seen that work both ways, either. But in a game like this, where it truly is who has the most possessions, I think that um, that's certainly a factor. Um, I heard some people say that neutralizing Aaron Donald, big key here, by Aaron Donald standards, he was neutralized. I would say that the rest of the Rams' pass rush more was neutralized. We gave the Rams a we we allotted them fifteen pressures, not total plays, but we gave players 15 total pressures donald had seven of them four qb hits and three hurries yeah but he didn't have a sack so he, he didn't was have a neutralized sack. but i mean grade wise compared to where he's been in recent weeks they did do a good job i thought the saints did a great job on play action there was just a lot of plays where they had just enough little misdirection going that breeze had a pretty good pocket to throw from uh for the most part and uh the rams the rams defensively they did a better job up front against the run game than they did rushing the passer yeah, and Donald had one defensive stop in there. It was an absolutely ridiculous play where Silly. he just smushed 
Alvin Kamara in the backfield. He almost took the handoff away from him. Right. That was he, bad. Kamara just took the handoff and ran into a wall that was Aaron Donald running at him through into the backfield. Yeah, so Aaron Donald's still special, but I do think, you know, we keep talking about play action and, and how important it is and everything. Play action pockets do get to be a little bit cleaner most of the time, and it's just another way to kind of slow him down a little bit. So credit the Saints. Uh, are they now, do they just immediately claim supremacy in the NFC? in your mind as the best team or are we simply saying if this game was played in Los Angeles maybe the score flips right i think they're now they're in that they're level with the rams right yeah. they they just beat the rams but the rams were the last undefeated team in football and it was on the road so i think at the very minimum you elevate the saints to being now as much of a contender in the nfc as the rams everyone thought the rams were the prohibitive favorite for the super bowl this showdown with the chiefs was going to be the super bowl preview but the Saints are in that conversation as well. It's not just a foregone conclusion there. All right, let's go to the Packers-Patriots game, the battle of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. wasn't exactly the shootout that everyone maybe expected. Uh, P- Patriots pull away 31-17, to but this was a 17-17 to game in the fourth quarter. You mentioned the key turning point. Um, it's the fumble. Yeah. And that pretty much completely, completely changed. The fumble and then potentially that roughing the punter call roughing the kicker roughing the punter call even though the Patriots didn't really capitalize on that particular drive it was one of those plays where you just you just gave an extra possession same thing you're giving extra possessions and over time that's going to come back to bite you that is effectively a turnover oh absolutely it doesn't get counted in anything like that but you literally turned a your possession into continuing their possession by a dumb penalty I know so as when fans are watching games and you're going up against Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, now Patrick Mahomes, how stressful is it as a fan? It's like, all right, it's third down, and now one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL is out there, and you get a stop. Because most of the time you're like, all right, this guy's really tough to stop. And you actually get the stop, right? I mean, it's just this massive win just to get the ball back, and then you hand it back to him because of a roughing the, punt, or roughing the punter or... Uh, you know, or a fumble, you just start losing possessions. It's just so key, and eventually, the great quarterbacks are gonna are gonna make you pay, and because those offenses just they're, they're gonna score points at some point. Yeah, I mean, punts and things like that. It's almost not worth trying to block them anymore because you're getting the ball back anyway. In theory, it's now becoming your possession. The risk you take in trying to block that and getting the ball a little bit, you know, with better field position, or potentially scoring that play if you get the right ricochet. I mean, is that worth extending the drive for them if you mistime it and you end up clattering into the punter's no. leg? Because then that's a, that becomes that turnover play we talked about right. as opposed to just setting yourself up in what you think is going to be the result of that drive anyway yeah. or what you intend to be the result of that drive anyway. It's now a hell of a risk for not that much potential gain. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I thought he had a weird night overall. He made three or four throws that were just ridiculous. And again, if you go back to that 2014 game, I remember doing the the write up on it, the uh, the 2014 refocused. He had, I think he had four or five big time throws in, in a 26 to 21 game that essentially made the difference in that game. He just made a special throw for a touchdown here and there, downfield throw. Last night was kind of similar. His touchdown to Jimmy Graham was awesome. Deep pass on the post when they went all out blitz for the second time, and this time they connected on it. He had three or four throws like that. Other than that, though, he looked very uncomfortable overall. I mean, it was really like four special throws. A couple other pretty good ones, and then a few misses and just a whole bunch of, you know, more throwaways and a whole bunch of passes where I thought the Patriots did a fantastic job covering on the back end and just just making most throws pretty difficult for Aaron Rodgers. And I know a lot of people like to blame Mike McCarthy in the scheme. Perhaps there's some of that where every pass just feels like this massive challenge for the Packers. 
because it's all isolation routes and yeah. you know nothing's easy. Um, but that was um, that was just the feel watching the game. Three or four special throws and then just a challenge for the rest of the time offensively for the Packers. Also, Byron Bell was a real problem for them. A right guard, he was getting. He came in for Bulaga yeah. after. Uh, Bulaga played 22 snaps, gets injured. Bell has to kick out to right tackle. Yeah, and just became a major problem on the edge, dealing with guys like Trey Flowers, which was just... Nine pressures for Trey Flowers. Right, yeah. yeah. So he was under a pretty unrelenting volume of pressure, which, if nothing else, made him... Like, every play, even if you avoided it, it's, uh, it starts him off on that kind of, um, you know, constant dancing around in the pocket, right? At that point, it's a real issue to try and get yourself right. back on platform and figure out what you want to do. It makes you start moving, and that gives everyone else a chance to start hurrying you as well. And it just, you know, it magnifies everything. And that's the capacity of a guy, of one guy, one bad offensive lineman to torpedo an offense is amazing. Yeah, and it, Rogers, you know, he's under pressure. Twenty-two out of forty-seven dropbacks goes six for eighteen for eighty-three yards and a touchdown under pressure. A bunch of those again are throwaways, but he goes eighteen for twenty-five from a clean pocket, six for eighteen from a pressured pocket yeah it just shows you know just how difficult it is patriots they did the same thing they did to mahomes that all-out blitz Mm -hmm. a couple times and it was like you know well-timed against mahomes he had some open receivers and just missed them the two times that stood out rogers has the deep ball i think it was to valdez scantling miscommunication though rogers throws the go i think the receiver runs the post so patriots get away with it they force fourth down the next time they tried it though rogers hits valdez scantling with the post in stride has a step on Jason McCourty to me that was just a great here's the Patriots defense taking their chances and the Packers adjusting and making a great play and Rodgers making a great throw little things like that they were just fun in this game I, I think. think both defenses from a schematic point of view did really nice jobs oh both my gosh in terms Some of, of mixing up yeah. coverages mixing up blitz looks mixing up exactly what they were doing up front Brady looked really confused at times I think Pettin. they both were yeah. yeah there was there was multiple plays now Petton comes from that Rex Ryan tree. We talked about this on the preview podcast where they will just, they'll throw like three or four extra guys on one side and yeah. two or three extra guys on the other side and they could bring them all, they could drop them, all that stuff. But what they did multiple times, they would show massive pressure and a lot of times if you show massive pressure and drop out of it, it still ends up being a four-man rush. They would do that and create a three-man rush and there was times where the Patriots had no idea who was, who was blocking whom and a three-man rush was getting home. That was Brady's first sack. I thought they did a great job of showing blitz and rushing only three, and the disguise just made Brady, Brady hesitate that much, and, and he looked uncomfortable. And then the other thing to come out of this game was the Patriots continuing to make Corderell Patterson a running back. Yes. You've wanted this for a while now. And it looks like he's good at it. He looked really good. I, I thought he was a little hesitant against the Bills the other night. Last night he ran hard. They were grabbing his undershirt, and he was still moving forward. I'm I mean, wondering how conscious that is because I've seen that happen a lot this year. Of, make guys grab my shirt. Right. You see, you, you wear like the tight jersey that cuts off almost at the belly button, right? And then you just have this T-shirt that comes out underneath it. When anyone grabs a fistful of T-shirt, it's not stopping a 220-pound guy, no. a T-shirt. So they just – that stretches out, tears, whatever it is, like a tearaway jersey, and they just keep on going. I'm wondering if that's a conscious thing or if that's just, you know, accidental – byproduct of fashion these it days might be. might be something to it uh, i thought from a from a run game perspective the patriots ran block uh run blocked ran block they run. blocked really well up front mm. in the run game both of their tackles uh trent brown at left tackle marcus cannon at right tackle did a good job their power scheme was uh was very good 
Um, I actually liked the cat and mouse game too. Everybody's joking about Brady trying to get his thousand rushing yards. He was one yard away. And I know the Packers were doing this to win the game, not to stop his thousand yards, but they kept taking away the QB. There was so many opportunities for Brady to potentially QB sneak and be like, oh, I got my thousandth yard for a touchdown. The Packers did a great job. And I thought Chris and the broadcast showed it. They took it away. But that opens up the Patriots to run outside right. zone and everything. But that, that it was a really good cat and mouse game on the goal line. Well, that's definitely what you should be doing against the Patriots from one yard out. That's their single best play from a yard out is the Brady QB sneak. Right. Like it's it's silly, but he is really good at that, and they're really good at doing it. Right. At the very minimum, make them do something else. Yeah, and then an outside zone play is always a little risky for the offense because you're you know you're widening it a little bit, and any penetration can blow it up. Now the Patriots are good at that too on the goal line, and they did rush for three touchdowns there. Um, but again, little cat and mouse game. So it didn't have the, it wasn't the fireworks that everybody expected. I don't think, but I thought there was a lot of good stuff to watch in this game. Yeah. Whatever happens, I think you deserve credit for making somebody do the thing that's number two on their list, right? If they want to beat you a specific way, if at the very minimum you've made them beat you some other way, right? You at least deserve some credit. And then the new England red zone pass game, Brady, I think it was two for nine in the red zone. I mean, without Gronk out there, they did look a little lost. Usually it's it's Gronk, and then it's find James White isolated on a linebacker and find that mismatch. James White was playing a little banged up. Gronk's out of the game last night, and they just they had nobody to throw to. Like a couple fades to Josh Gordon where he's fallen over. That's not a good passing offense. Yeah, I mean, the red zone kind of takes away the primary means they have of moving the ball between the 20s, which is uh, Julian Edelman kind of scaring teams right. into playing everything else dishonestly by just, you know, hooking up after five yards. Now everybody's all over that just because there's no field to defend. So you've got to find something else to do, and that's not that easy. I'll say this, too, about um, Brady in recent years. When you get him in the red zone and you rush three or four, he's had such great patience. This year, he does... He is not. The thing that took his game to the next level the last few years was his ability to extend plays just a little bit and do better later in the down. He's kind of back to what he was back in 2013 and 14, where he feels really uncomfortable late in the down doesn't have that same patience and he's rushing some passes so again just something to just something to look at as brady starts to decline sam any day now well this is it i mean he's declined he's not a 95 quarterback anymore in our yeah, system. But he did that before and then you wrote a, and then i wrote about it and then he, he bounced back Come on, we want four more years out of brady right now um mahomes versus baker two didn't quite live up to mahomes versus baker one no mahomes is playing at a special level right now and surrounded by that scheme and all that stuff, it's just it's just too much. I mean, he kind of held up his end of the bargain, right? 375 yards from Mahomes, three oh, touchdowns. Okay, there was a pick in there. And, but, oh, the pick, you know. was, the pick was nothing. That was the end of the... Mahomes is... So Mahomes did the opposite of a Kirk Cousins. It's the end of the half, <laughs> and he just chucked one up for a free interception. Chucked yeah. one up to no... Like, th- this wasn't... Ha- like, nothing was happening here. You, you had no chance of scoring mm. on this pass with zero time left on the half. So Mahomes tried to – he didn't care about ruining his stats. Cousins also, would have checked down and yes. taken the free 30 yards. He also got flagged for intentional grounding for trying to spike the ball on what was apparently a stopped clock. That was impressive. Which I've never seen before, but apparently that's a penalty. Yeah, so for I think reasons they, nobody understands. They real, because there was a defensive offside on the previous play, it stops the clock, and in your head you just forget that, hey, they stopped the clock. Right. What I don't understand is that once they snapped the ball, it would have been running again. Like the clock went down a second, and yet, like by definition, snapping the ball, the clock is now running again. So I don't understand how that's because there was a penalty. Oh, by st- 
No, because it's when the play starts with a dead clock. Yeah, but ball. once it then starts, once you snap the ball, the clock's running again. Yeah. This is what makes no sense to me. I'm not going to lie. I don't care that much. It's, right. it's a silly penalty that I've never seen before. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with that. I don't need to know. So Mahomes now has, what, 29 touchdowns? Yeah. Uh, touch, so touchdown numbers always funny because, you know, you, to, to, to have a ton of touchdowns, you need some help from the offense, and you're going to get a lot of cheap ones. Mahomes yesterday, though, the two that he threw to Kelsey, little sidearm flip in a perfect spot in the red zone away from coverage. Second one up and away. I mean, the, the Browns had tight coverage twice on Kelsey, and Mahomes put it in a spot where only he could go get it. It was very impressive. He's got a real shot of uh, threatening that touchdown record. He does. You'd have to keep this ridiculous pace. And again, you need... But there's nothing to say you won't. You need a lot of um, you know, screens and all these other things adding up, plus your special throws. Which are all in there. Which are all in there. I mean, yeah, they certainly are built for it. Um, I keep saying on the pod here, I really think he's at that level. You just hope he has a bad day. Because even when he has a bad day, they can, they can accidentally scheme up 300 passing yards. Yeah. They're going to accidentally scheme that up even when Mahomes is, is missing throws. It's what we've been saying. You can't stop this offense. There's too many things. There's too many people in it that are dangerous, that are incredible weapons that you just can't slow down. You've got Tyree Kill. You've got Travis Kelsey. You've got Kareem Hunt like making ridiculous things happen out of the backfield. You've got Mahomes making all these crazy throws. And that's before you get to guys like Sammy Watkins, who, you know, if you somehow manage to bottle up the four most potent weapons they do have, is still pretty dangerous. Oh, like we said last week, I mean, they got him isolated on a linebacker. Right. And it was all over for an easy touchdown against, uh, against Denver. Um, I think for Chiefs fans, though, you have this defense that's been giving up yards left and right, but you're slowly getting some emerging pretty good play from guys like Steven Nelson and Kendall Fuller and Orlando Skandrick's kind of held up on the outside a little bit. I mean, they've had decent play on the back end. Can they get Justin Houston back and healthy to help out? You know, can they get Eric Berry back at some point? This defense, really, it's that whole possession thing, right? They right. just have to win three or four good possessions in a, in a game, so and they can win. That's what's interesting, is that this defense has quietly progressed from being essentially the worst unit in the league, which is what it yeah. was right at the start of the league, what it was what it was on paper heading into the league. You're like, every game is going to be a shootout because this offense is incredible, and the defense is so bad that anybody they're facing will have comparable offensive output to what they're able to do. But the defense has actually gotten a lot better up until that point. And all the guys we thought were complete train wrecks and liabilities on the back end are capable of games like that, but their overall baseline is far closer to just being meh, right? right? Okay. So well, their Skandrick, coverage grade is up, is up to 10th worst. Right. So, so Skandrick, Steven Nelson, Kendall Fuller, all of these guys are well capable of terrible games. They just don't have them very often. And they very rarely have them all at the same time. And D Ford has continued to be really good. Um, kind of got screwed out of a really good play in this game, from what I remember. It didn't look like he was offside, but whatever. <laughs> um, you're right. The Justin Houston thing coming back would make a notable change on this defense. And then potentially Eric Berry ever being not day-to-day, right. actually getting onto the field, he would, would, be would again be a big thing. So this defense could actually become good enough to hold up its end of the bargain. It's never going to be, you know, the offense may be the best in the league. The defense is at best going to get to, like, middle of the pack. But if it, come, if it becomes middle of the pack, 
that's easily good enough to challenge anything other than an amazing oh, yeah. offense keep to, keep, to keep pace with this one. Because of D. Ford and Chris Jones, they're essentially, because of those guys, essentially, they've got the number three pass rush grade in the NFL. Yeah. Now, the coverage grade should usually sync up with that a little bit, so the fact that they're 10th worst is not great. Mm-hmm. But you do have enough, like you talked about, one offensive lineman can kind of blow up an offense. D. Ford winning at a high rate with Chris Jones. I mean, just having two guys that can get, get after the quarterback, even though the rest of the guys aren't great rushing the quarterback, is, is a factor. And 10th worst sounds terrible, right? But, but they've, they're up to that Right. Point. If you go from, tenth, they were from worst. worst to 10th yes. worst is a major change. And 10th worst puts you in the middle of the pack somewhere. It's not catastrophic. It's not bad enough to be costing you every single game when you consider just how formidable your own offense is. The Chiefs also still get to play the Raiders twice. Ugh. Talk about that touchdown record. God. Mahomes might have 15 touchdowns in those two games alone. They have the Cardinals once and the Raiders twice still. Yeah. So just to put in perspective what that team's doing right now, the Chiefs are really good. All right. Uh, Baker still continues to struggle yeah. last few weeks. That's uh, numbers were better yesterday. The grade has not been great. And we're, we're very honest about all this stuff. Well, he didn't throw the ball to Higgins. So he's still banged up. He was out there. He was playing at 29 snaps, and he didn't see the ball enough. That's all I'm saying. There's no way that Brashad Perryman should be seeing more targets than Rashad Higgins. Ever. No, that's true. So that's the end. That's it. He should have been better because he should have thrown the ball to Higgins more. Baker needs to be better going forward. We'll see what happens if they, as they get used to this uh, Greg Williams-led team. I'm looking forward to seeing what just happens when they revamp this whole, this whole deal in Cleveland. Yeah. Who they bring in and... The new uh, new culture. New it will culture. be interesting. There's a lot to like for of the Browns. There's a lot in place. They've got the quarterback finally, albeit one who's not playing particularly well at the moment. Um, the defense has a lot of talent in the building already. The offense is actually in pretty good shape. If you you add a couple of key pieces, left tackle, um, you know you need to More find playmakers. A, yeah, a number one wide receiver from somewhere. But there's a lot of quality role players in there. Higgins isn't a number one. Well, he's a quality number two, Steve. Come on. Oh, even you're realistic. You need the guy that can threaten downfield. Higgins isn't that guy. He's just the guy that's going to exploit all of those open spaces. Did you make me your list of uh, your favorite players yet? No. Where does Higgins rank on your favorite players? Just the guys that you're rooting. I mean, I, I get text messages from you all sign, or I'm, you're yelling at me if we're here over in the in the studio watching. You're yelling at me, Higgins. I mean, you know, he's who, on the list. Is it just is it one list like horizontal? They're all tied yeah. for first. I don't have, I don't guys. I don't play favorites among my favorites, Steve. Okay, well, I, need see, I need to see your list. Okay, at the That's moment I can only think of two people. Great, write it down for me. All right, let's fly through the rest of uh, rest of yesterday's games. Let's go Chargers Seahawks. Yeah, um, I thought this was a big game. The Seahawks went from a team I thought was going to be borderline eight and eight. Now I mean, now they're four and four, so they still could be, but they were. If they had won this game, of course, they would have been 5-3 and three. and on a roll. And it looked like this team that had lost so much talent brought in an offensive coordinator that on the surface didn't look like a great fit for Russell Wilson. Wilson had been playing really well the last few weeks, and it was like, all right, maybe the Seahawks are for real. But then it was also this big test game for the Chargers because as soon as you start believing in the Chargers, this is the game that they just lose. They always lose this game, right? Especially when it's a big lead that they're going to blow. But they... The Chargers have only lost to the Chiefs and the Rams. Yeah. They're 6-2, and two, and they're a legitimate contender in the AFC. Everybody's talking about the Chiefs. We just spent a ton of time talking about the Chiefs. We know the Patriots are there. 
the Chargers are a legitimate contender there. Right, and that's within the same division. They're only two yeah. games back. Um, granted, you know, they've lost within the division to the team that's ahead of them, so that's a problem. They still have to go to Kansas City. Yeah. And uh, they've struggled. I mean, their biggest problem is that they can't actually play the Chiefs and haven't been able to for years. For some reason, Phillip Rivers just seizes up when he goes to play the this Chiefs. This might be a different this might be the best football Philip Rivers has played in It might be, years. but their like their path to success may end up having to avoid the Chiefs. Like if they lose again in Arrowhead, which is probably gonna happen, um, then you're shooting for the wild card spot, obviously, unless the Chiefs completely collapse outside of that. You're shooting for a wild card spot and then you basically just have to hope that somebody else beats the Chiefs for you because you probably can't do it yourself. Yeah. Which is doable. I mean, but getting in there, if they make, if the, the Chargers become a wild card team, they would terrify anybody that has to host them. Steelers, Bengals. Right. Any of these teams. Anybody Texans. outside of the Chiefs who would have already beaten them twice would be pretty terrified of having to play the Chargers in a wild card game. If, you pre- if we pretend that the Chiefs and Patriots get the buys in the AFC, yeah. we're talking about the Texans in the South potentially. Yeah, I, and then the Steelers or the Bengals in the North hosting a wild card game. I would expect the, the Chargers. Chargers I would expect the Chargers else. to beat any of the AFC South teams, even yeah, if it's on that. the road. I can see that. Um, I would think they're well in with any of the AFC North teams if they have to travel to Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, etc., Baltimore. Um, that shouldn't scare them either. Yeah. yeah, I think this. I mean. You are basically expecting them to go potentially win a wild card game, and then they have to just hope that somebody knocks over the Chiefs. Yep, and that they don't end up in that ridiculous scenario where they just end up back at the Chiefs again. Could <laughs> that certainly could happen? Right. So the Chargers—they're looking pretty good. Big win at Seattle. Russell Wilson, man, he was playing so well, but that pick six was uh, was a bad one. Pick six to Desmond King completely misread what we call the curl flat defender who's running out there under the curl. It's just a blatant bad misread for an easy pick six. And when we're, when we're grading these in the PFF grading system, a lot of times the receiver makes things look worse. We ran the wrong route, and we try to look for every excuse. What was what Russell thinking? What was he expecting? And in this one, there was actually no route. that It was just completely fooled. It was just bad. It was as bad as it looked on TV. There's a lot of pick sixes that aren't as bad as they look on TV. Yeah, this one was. This one was. You're right. Uh, no, so this was the Chargers here. Russell Wilson made some pretty spectacular plays in this. And even right at the end, the very last throw with a chance to win the game. Mm. Honestly, that was basically perfect. It's just that the Chargers managed to get fingertips on it. Like that was going to hit the guy in the hands at the back of the end zone. Yeah, Would have been an throwing. incredible thread the needle throw, only it didn't quite thread the needle. It clipped a guy's fingers on the way through it. He was throwing absolute lasers. The touchdown that he did throw to the tight end, I mean, we got to go. It was unbelievable. I don't think I've seen a, a, a faster pass. It, you know, it was like 10 to 15 yard throw. I don't think I, that, that was 80 miles an hour. Just making up a number. It was nice. a laser. That was ridiculous. Um, the Seattle offensive line still not that bad. It isn't. As far as blocking. Like, Russell Wilson brought so much pressure upon himself. Um, we charged him with a sack, two hits, and two hurries. And he was pressured 18 times. So, I mean, the line, and he dropped back 47 times. Yeah, I mean, their line has done basically what we said about the the Chiefs' defense, right? It's become average, Yeah. which for them, given that it was the worst offense in the game or the worst offensive line in the game, is a massive change. You know, it's so much of anything is about being average, not being terrible. 
Right. You don't need to be the best in the league at everything. You just need to not suck. And their offensive line has now not sucked. So at some point, I think it was that game where they pulled up the stats that said they had allowed the fewest total pressures of any offensive line in the game, um, which is true. Seattle? Yeah. They're second out of the Saints. So it is true. They've allowed hardly any offensive pressures overall. But, one, they've thrown the ball less than some teams. So Well, they had a bye week. Well, that too. But So when you... You sort it by pass-blocking efficiency. They're not the best. But they're still high. They're top five when it comes yeah. to pass-blocking efficiency. But the other aspect of that is so much of that is other guys. It's not just the five offensive linemen. It's tight ends. It's Russell Wilson inviting a ton of pressure onto himself. And the other thing about their offensive line is when you do give up the pressure, how quick is it? True. So it's not always about how much pressure you give up over the course of a game. But when you give up a pressure, what happened? Did oh, you face plant and the guy was killing your quarterback within two seconds? Or, you know, did it take five seconds to work its way towards you? And it's no secret. When you have a guy like Russell Wilson that holds the ball longer, he is putting more pressure on the offensive line from a pressure surrendered standpoint. He's also maybe saving them from a sacks avoided standpoint. But from a surrendering pressure standpoint, it hurts. This year, we've charged 18 sacks to players on the Seahawks. Sometimes that's two on one play. Mm-hmm. We've charged seven to Russell Wilson. Yeah. Seven out of 18. That's a lot. We've charged him with 20 total pressures. That's seven sacks, six QB hits, and seven hurries where we said that's either you dancing around a, a clean pocket or breaking out of a clean pocket and taking an extra hit, a hurry, or a sack, and we're charging it to you. So a lot of it's on him. Uh, yeah. Dwayne Brown allowing only le- 11 pressures at left tackle. I mean, how, how much of an improvement is that compared to what Seattle's had the last couple of years? His, I mean, he has made a legitimate um, monster change to that offensive line since he arrived. That's been one of the best player acquisitions anybody has had. Yeah. Um, he's been able to come in. He transformed the line a year ago when they acquired him via trade. Like, you could actually see the numbers change the moment he arrived. They were significantly better. Right. And they've continued that way. Um, we've had some questions in the YouTube chat about how good the Chargers are. I think we did cover it. I mean, they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They cut their kicker. Caleb Sturgis, they were they were a mess. Trying to why are there why are there only fifteen good kickers in the NFL? I don't know. Rivers is pretty mad at this one. Yeah. It's not it's not shocking that it's he awesome. hasn't made it too far. Kick the daggum ball through the daggum. How hard is it? Uprights. Just just kick it through the sticks. Chargers are legit still. All right, we've spent a lot of time on just a few games. Let's let's at least touch on everything quickly. Panthers. Beat the Bucs 42-28. to The Panthers' offense continues you believe in yet? to do impressive things. I'm not using a game against the Bucs to believe. They gave up 28 to the Bucs. It's magic. I know. It's magic. He's still playing all right. Actually, his grade wasn't that great. Stats were there. <laughs> that passing offense is ridiculous, though. Yeah. The I numbers mean, that they've put up as a team. They've got the receivers, right? They've, and they've got a quarterback that will go YOLO with the best of them. So it makes sense. Oh, he was YOLOing both ways. Um, so you don't believe the Panthers yet, still? Oh, they're still pretty good. They're pretty good. But you don't believe them. Pretty good. I have a tough time putting the Panthers at the same level as the Rams, the Saints, even the Vikings. I just think there's still a lot to learn. I, I'll, I think we'll learn a lot against the Steelers this week. I think this is, this okay. is a big game. I think the Steelers I mean, were underachieving earlier this year. They're starting to figure it out. The Panthers are trying to be this you know, kind of a surprise team because they just kind of do this every other year. And I think this is going to be a telling game. If they beat the Steelers, they go to 7-2 and two on the season. I'll start believing. With a pretty impressive kind of point differential. Yeah. It's pretty difficult to 
hate them at that point. I don't hate, I don't hate them. Well, those, those are your two options, Steve. You either believe them or you hate them. The end. There's no middle ground. I hate all, all Panthers fans. I still, I mean, I don't, I think, I don't know that they're better than the Falcons, despite the difference in record. Ooh, that's a big difference. I understand. Okay. This is all Steve, by the way. They haven't played the Saints yet. They still have two games to play against the Saints. Steve still hates. They have to play the Falcons the again. They got Pittsburgh. They already played. Did they play other other AFC North? They haven't played Baker and the Browns no, yet. True. <laughs> um, that offense is very fun, though. Like somehow Norv Turner, despite not doing anything like what we expected him to do heading into the season, where it was an interesting marriage with Cam Newton has created an interesting marriage with Cam Newton. I don't quite understand how that's happened, but it's no, they've done, really fun. They've done a good job. Look, if you said over the last two years that they were going to build personnel in this way, they're going to draft Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore, and, and they're going to actually you know, use these guys the right way, you, know, that you, could, you could see that being a path to success. For the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey has the second most snaps of any running back in the league. He's not an every down guy. The only running back that's had more snaps than him is Todd Gurley, and he's only had nine more. Like, Christian McCaffrey has actually become a workhorse back. More valuable than Todd Gurley. I didn't say that. Um, Maybe. He's become a workhorse back coming out of a system where he was a workhorse back. So, you know, it makes sense. Can we circle back real quick? I made the statement yesterday. Melvin Gordon's as good as Todd Gurley. Yeah, which I got is a lot different of, to the statement you made to me that I told you to tweet. Oh. You modified it. What? I know. I said he's as good as Todd Gurley. You didn't. What you told me is that he's better than Todd Gurley. And I said you should absolutely tweet that. And when you actually got around to tweeting it, you backed off. I said as good as and still got You jumped destroyed. onto the fence. And I still got destroyed. I know. But it would have been better if you'd actually stuck to your original hot take. But Melvin instead, Gordon. you backed off it. Better than Todd Gurley. Right. It's too late. That's you, actually how we had them ranked coming you out. Had we your had chance. We had one and one A coming out. And you out. blew it. I don't know that I believe that Melvin Gordon's better. Well, but he's at least right on that it. level. There's nine running backs tied for best running back in the NFL <laughs> right now. That's pretty much it. They're so interchangeable. There's nine guys tied for first. I'm still pretty confident that Christian McCaffrey is better than Leonard Fournette, which is what I said at the time. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. Thank you. The end. I've learned a lot about running backs over the last few years. Yeah? I've learned a lot. Okay. Have you learned anything beyond the fact that they appear to be worthless? Fournette's not it, is what I've learned. (laughs) That style's not it. Guys that catch the ball and move the chains, they are it. So impressive. Impressive work by the Panthers there. So I have to make a prediction on Thursday night. Yeah. This will be good. This will tune in to this next week's podcast for my Panthers prediction, and you'll really know how much I believe in the Panthers. <laughs> Tune in to find out why Steve thinks the Panthers will get blown out by the Steelers. Professional tease. Um, any other games that are worth a little extra time? Uh, Steelers-Ravens? I think the Ravens have been a fraud all year. Okay. I think we're finding that out. Wow, this is just the Steve hate hour. Yeah, there's a bunch of fraudulent teams in the NFL. Okay. You also think the Ravens Redskins are frauds as well. Cool. We can just run through I was all right. the teams that Steve thinks suck. My headline last week I wanted, are the Redskins the worst 5-2 and two team in history? They <laughs> let the Falcons, in an outdoor game, mind you, you put up did. 38. Are yeah. they the worst 5-2 and two team in the NFL? Yes, they were. <laughs> They're t- that was bad. Right. They got destroyed. They, they would... 
they would lose every game if they were in the NFC South. The Panthers are way better than the Redskins. I, I will admit that there's no way of optimistically taking this week's result for the Redskins. The I Redskins mean, beat the Panthers. They got the this cra- makes my point against the Panthers. The Redskins <laughs> beat the Panthers. Okay. I think the Redskins are the worst Didn't 5 you say team they're way worse than the Panthers? Yeah, they are. But they still them. beat the Panthers. Okay. This all makes perfect sense. This is a tightrope I gotta, walk, your particular line of hate logic at the moment. I hate every NFC team except the Rams and Saints. Yeah. Um, I, I have a stat for you. Matt Ryan, because <laughs> his passer rating was off the charts yesterday. He was. He threw what? Four touchdowns? He threw four touchdowns So he had a great Sam. game. Must have had a great game. Uh-huh. His average depth of target on his four touchdowns, I tweeted this out, mm-hmm. was one. One yard. One yard. So this included a couple screens that were negative yards, a little curl to Calvin Ridley, probably four or five yards, and a little pass in the flat, two or three yards. So his average depth of target was one. Average yak on these touchdowns was 31 or 33, one of those numbers. <laughs> I think it was 31. Yeah. Four touchdowns. He so threw- his passer rating spikes by a million because Julio <laughs> Jones took a screen to the house. He had a bubble screen taken to the house. He had a six, four-yard, five-yard curl by Calvin Ridley outruns the defense, and then just a good read in the red zone to find a wide-open guy in the flat for a touchdown. Those were his four touchdowns. One of them, probably the one which was still an easy throw, was a good you know, red zone read, find the open man. Threw for 350 yards, 230 of which came after the catch. And the point there is not to say that... So when you say that, when you use yards after the catch, you always, always get a section of people that are like, well, he's just taking what the defense has given them. It's a smart play. He's putting the ball where it should be and letting his receiver do work. It's like, that's not what's happening, right? What's happening is he's just, like, it is to an extent, but well, you expect me, that to go seven yards, right. not let me, 40 for let me a just, touchdown. Exactly. So, again, the, the reason why we use yards after the catch, and let me just say this, because we've started to quantify pass location and all that stuff, the quarterback does affect Yak more than we've even let on in past years. But when you're talking about screen passes, yes, right, we're, I'm talking about, when a guy has a passer rating of 121.6 in a game, four touchdowns, one interception, which may not have been on him, when that happens, it cre- again, it creates this re- emotional response. He went 26 for 38 for 350, four touchdowns, and only one interception. He was great. It creates this emotional response of this guy was incredible. But on this, in this particular instance, where two of those touchdowns are long screens, and one of them's a curl that probably should have been a five- or six-yard gain that turns into a 40-yard gain, in this particular instance, you say, okay, those numbers are completely inflated. Yeah. Every instance is different. There are certain times when you throw a perfect slant right on a guy's front number, and he picks up X number of yards after the catch where you're like, man, great job, quarterback. You're helping to create the yak because if you kept it on the back hip, yeah. you're getting zero. Big picture, quarterbacks do influence yak by ball location. In specific throws, they don't. Yes. And there were, Matt all. Ryan was taking what the defense was giving him. But what that should have been, given the throws he attempted, was a lot less than it ended up being because he has Julio Jones and he has Calvin Ridley, etc. That's all we're trying to do here. Now, Matt Ryan's on my fantasy team. I'm happy with him. Matt Ryan did basically what you would expect on those situations, and then his receivers made something special happen. So it all led to a 75. He he had a 75.8 passer, uh, PFF grade, 75.8. That was sixth best on the Falcons yesterday. He was behind both running backs and a couple offensive linemen and Julio Jones. And it just kind of, um, you know, it just tells a better story yeah. using the grade. So now his grade outdoors <laughs> isn't too inflated, playing in Washington and Pennsylvania. Yeah. But his stats, man, they're starting to catch up. But basically everybody on the Redskins sucked. Uh, they also appear to be down their entire offensive line at this point. They're all hurt. Yeah. That's going to be a problem. 
second year in a row. Yeah. They've been completely banged up in the offensive line. Um, their defense, I mean, absolutely destroyed by the Falcons and the Saints. But the rest of the year, it's like, oh, they're getting pressure and they're cu- making things challenging on the back end from a coverage standpoint. They're really just hit or miss defensively. Yeah. Like every other defense in the NFL. Pretty much. All right. Let's fly through the rest of the games. Bears crush the Buffalo Bills. I really need to look this up. Have the Bills had more defensive touchdowns against them than passing touchdowns this year? They, they had two yesterday. Somebody One on Monday night. Just pick sixes and fumble sixes. Somebody pulled up one of those um, interactive kind of quarterback passing map charts where it's like, find this guy's uh, you know money zone in the red zone. Where, where's, his, where's his money target quadrant? And it was for Nathan Peterman. And obviously that's a trick question because his real money zone is his own red zone back the other way. It's the, uh, the interception six. Like his, his heat map is going to show a big red bar behind him in his own end zone, <laughs> um, not for the one he's actually targeting. Oh, poor like his numbers are mind-blowing at this point. And the, th- the crazy thing is like a lot of these picks at this point have not been his fault. But the ones that have have been so utterly horrendous that he doesn't, you don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Like it's just, oh no, it's the numbers plus the ones that have been that bad to, to are combined just too good a story right. to he actually pay attention to the ones that were unlucky. He now has what, 13 career interceptions? I, it's just 14. It's, it's mind bending. I'm losing track. But he's under 100 attempts in his career, whatever it is. Yeah. 49 attempts yesterday, only three interceptions. Uh, in a world where the offenses are better than ever, imagine if the Bills were just not the worst offense you've ever seen in this offensive season that's the best of all time. Mm-hmm. How would the Bills... Like, they're the, one of the worst teams of the last 20 years offensively in the best offensive season of all time. That's yeah. tough to do. Um, but their pass defense is still good. Trubisky didn't grade well again for us, and they still scored 41 because of defensive touchdowns and everything else. Yeah, Peterman has 13 interceptions. Uh, on 69, uh, 69 completions, 133 attempts 133. over two seasons. That's pretty spectacular. Tough to do. 4.2 yards per attempt. I know you're a big yards per attempt guy, Steve. Um, yeah, it's and a big, for it's a important passer rating of 30.9. Yeah, it's the worst of anybody that has that many. Throws. almost 10 points lower than just throwing the ball at the floor. Every it's play. a little bit worse than Spurgeon win. Yeah. One of the Brady six, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jets Dolphins 13 to 6 victory for the Brett o- Brock Osweiler Dolphins uh, Sam Darnold has um, been pretty poor four interceptions yesterday could have had a couple more the Jets uh, they're talking a lot about how much of this is Todd Bowles I have to say our preseason analysis on them is just having a really bad roster I think is is just that's the story they have a bad roster yeah. I don't I'm not ready to, I'm, I'm not going to give up on Darnold yet I'm not really encouraged by his development so far this season though jamal adams is turning into one of the most fun players to watch in the nfl he actually hits in yeah. a way that people used to but don't anymore he does that still that's fun to watch legally yeah well most of the time that's so there's you, something all you can ask for these so there's days. something to watch for the jets um yeah just watch jamal adams hit people that's about all you can go for the dolphins just keep lurking around hey yeah. let's they're five and four and in the playoff picture sam yeah um, their pass rush was legit in this game. Now, I'm not going to say that's connected to the fact that the Jets' offensive line was terrible, but um, it is. Cameron Wake, nine pressures. Akeem Spence with five. Right. Ted Larson for the Jets. or No, Ted Larson was uh, one of the worst pass blockers you're going to see. It was abysmal. This is for the Dolphins. For the Dolphins. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to the Lions and the Vikings. Vikings win 24-9. to Their defense starting to come together. Yeah. Um, they absolutely destroyed Matthew Stafford. Had a ton of sacks on him. Um, it was a weirdly disproportionate sort of sack total in that almost all the times they got pressure, they got home and sacked the guy. So they actually didn't pressure him as much as you might have thought, given that they sacked him, whatever it was, 10 times in the game. But they did get a ton of pressure. So it was 23 snaps for Stafford under pressure on 49 total dropbacks, which is a lot, but not, you know. I mean, Kirk Cousins has been under pressure basically that level all the way through the season. But he hasn't been sacked 10 times every game. Like, so the Vikings' defense is starting to look a lot more formidable, a lot more like it did last season, which is big because there was no real solid explanation for why it wasn't looking that way over the first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, so since they gave up 38 to the Rams, they gave up 21 to, e- to the Eagles, 17 to the Cardinals. I think one of those was defensive by uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, I think so. Um, 17 to the Jets. So they haven't played the best teams, but they did. They held Drew Brees to his worst game of the season last Sunday night, as I mentioned, in a dome. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, in a dome, against the Lions, holding him to nine and sacking Stafford eight million times. What year was it that they... Was it 2015 they had all those sacks and... Um, it's when Jim Bob took over for the Lions. Sure. So I think the Vikings sacked Stafford eight times. Most of them. That was one of those games we actually couldn't assign most of the sacks to the offensive linemen. Yeah. To, to the specific offensive linemen. It was almost all scheme driven. And, and, the, and the Lions had to go to Jim Bob Cooter after that. Uh, this was Everson Griffin's first game back as well. After his leave of absence from the team. A couple of sacks. Uh, four additional pressures on top of that him along i mean he makes a big difference because when you've got him there you can still deploy Stephen weatherly who was the guy subbing in for him but now he's only a sort of situational addition right Right. as opposed to the guy that needs to get it done so weatherly himself had four total pressures but then you had griffin's pressure you had hunter with four sacks plus two more richardson sheldon richardson inside got a ton of pressure i mean this looked like the vikings defense from a year ago and it just suffocated that offense yeah, it's huge. It's huge that they could play defense like that. And, uh, you know, the Vikings are still they're still a viable contender in the NFC. They're just lurking around. Are they better than the Panthers? I don't know yet. The end. What do we think? I don't know. I, I, I don't know quite what to make of the Vikings yet. That defense has just started to look like it did a year ago, but I don't know if that's going to continue yet. Um, that I mean, the NFC North is still kind of chaotic. It's separating itself a little bit into the, the Bears and the Vikings and the Packers and the Lions, but it's still two games essentially splitting the entire division so there's still a lot to work its way out uh what else texans broncos is this the last game to hit no can't be yeah i what? like bye weeks we've hit everything wow okay texans at the broncos it looks like the texans like the texans are trending very well they're doing much both both teams moving in opposite directions it looked like the texans were going to control this game the broncos did a good job of staying close uh case keenum made a bunch of big throws to keep it close and then they Miss a field goal to win the game. They missed a field goal. They also just ran the ball up the gut with a couple of seconds left to basically just accept a 51-yard attempt. Was Bill O'Brien? He appeared to be quite happy they did that. He was was quite happy. Yes. Like, that was was a silly move, Broncos, I think is what he said. I read his lips. Something like that. Silly. Yeah. That's how I tell my kid. That was a silly thing to do, Henry. It was a very, very weird decision to essentially, okay, we've got the clock is ticking down. We have a timeout, and we're going to spend it by just running straight up the middle for no yards. 
and call a timeout and accept the 51-yard attempt. Now, most teams, I would suggest, would take some form of pass to try and move some significant yards to make that a 41-yard attempt, say. The Broncos didn't do that. Right. I mean, okay. Can I just... I want to give credit to Bradley Chubb real quick. Okay. But not too much. All right. I saw people tweeting Uh about Bradley Chubb having, you know, one of the one of the best rookie seasons of all time because he just had his he got his ninth sack yesterday that's a lot of sacks steve it's a lot of sacks and we were having some fun on the podcast here all year saying you know i called steve called derwin james a better pass rusher than bradley chubb let's compare their sack totals yeah and in the last four games I mean, if you're looking at sack totals that's making you look pretty stupid if you're looking at sack totals it's making me look stupid he's got nine he's got seven in his last four games his pass rush grade this year though is 69.3 so he's gotten nine sacks Two QB hits and twenty-four hurries on two hundred forty-one rushes. That's not a that's not a, a high number of pressures. And if you look at a bunch of his sacks, there's a lot of cleanup sacks in there and all that stuff. So, um, I don't think this is a win for Bradley Chubb as an elite pass rusher. I will say he's rushed the passer pretty well, so that's good. But I don't think I'm ready to uh, crown him as an elite pass rusher or even in the same league as Miles Garrett. Yeah, just yet. Not in the same league, even though some people say he's better because he has a lot of sacks. Yes, correct. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So credit Bradley Chubb. We joke about the sack totals, but just like Vic Beasley, six t- 16 t- uh, sacks back in 2016 were a little um, empty. We call them empty sacks, right? Things that are tough to duplicate. I would say Bradley Chubb is, is in that ballpark right he now. He does have the seventh best pass rushing productivity score among all defensive linemen. No, that's good. I think the grade's telling a different, I mean, a better story, which is 69.3, which is good, not great. Well, I'm only interested in the story that makes you look dumb. So I'm going with this. You keep searching for numbers. He's one behind Khalil Mack, and he's ahead of Donnell Hunter, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, Von Miller, for example. Okay. Well, let's make ourselves look stupid real quick. Before the season, the two things that we thought, the two teams that we thought had little chance to put up a ton of wins New York Giants. Yeah. Good job, guys. Uh Houston Texans. Well, bad, if bad the Broncos guys. had kicked a field goal yesterday, that would have helped. So either way, so the Texans, we talk about teams getting better. The Texans looked like they thought who they were who we thought they were, right? Okay. They were who we thought they were. They were 0-3 uh-huh. with a bad offensive line and a bad secondary. So you don't believe in, in a regressing Deshaun Watson, yeah. regressing back to the mean Deshaun Watson. You don't believe in the Panthers. I still don't believe in the Texans. Oh, that's fine. But they also... They have the same problems as a lot of bad teams. Their offensive line is a mess. Deshaun Watson is good, but there's only so much he can do in the face of that horrendous offensive line. But look at the schedule. No, no. They play the Redskins. Okay. That could go anywhere. The worst 5-3 and team in history, the Redskins. (laughs) The worst 5-3? Or are the... Wait, they're 6-3 and now, the Texans. They play the Titans, Mm -hmm. Cleveland Browns, the Colts again, Jets, Eagles, and Jaguars. Yeah, there's a lot of bad there. Right. Yeah. They have a legit, you know, 10 to 12 win opportunity here. Right. The Texans. Still and I still don't, don't, I don't think that they're a great team. I think Watson, again, has been a little up and down the last couple of weeks. You know, he's made some big plays. He knows how to find the end zone the last, you know, two years. We've seen that. Just an interesting team. They've, they've hid their deficiencies over the last few weeks, I'd say. Yeah. In particular. So, credit to them. That's really all the games? That was it. Huh. Oh, we're going to be... We're stretching it. We're talking more about the games because there's buys. When, when, when the teams come off by after Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving week, we're going to have to keep it tight. Just so you know. Yeah. 
we didn't talk much about the Raiders. I think we should keep it that way. Yeah, I agree. Raiders. Five, five draft picks in the next two, or in the next first round of the next two years. Don't forget, get to profootballfocus.com to check out our mock draft, Raiders fans, because we had three picks for you guys. We posted that last week. Just watch all of our college videos, Raiders fans. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back here later in the week. I will be predicting Panthers, Steelers. I'll let you know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. Be sure to get to profootballfocus.com. Get your PFF Elite Package and your Green Line subscription. That's all part of Elite because both are awesome. See you guys later in the week for our Week 10 preview. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.